all the goth DJs and Twitch witches are hanging out on Thursday for the bad VHS rips, unblinking eyes, and fire by night. Thetans and Satans comes from an interest in the cult of Scientology, moral panics, Satanism, and how they set the tone for the extremist social media panics of today. We really earn our weird left Twitch badge with this show, watching the world go red light in reverse every Thursday at 9 p.m. Pacific on twitch.tv slash echoplexmedia. Find our full schedule at echoplexmedia.com. I'm white and I've got everything I need. No one clutches their purses when they're in a room alone with me. And I can drive for any neighborhood I please. At any hour, and the police don't do a thing. So if I see a penny on the ground, I leave it alone and fucking flip it. I'm a straight white male in America. I got everything I need. I'm a guy getting paid more than a girl with a degree. And I can walk down the streets after dark, no one wants to rape me. And I can get a girl pregnant and just as easily flee. Just like my straight white male dad did to me. So if I see a penny on the ground, I leave it alone and fucking flip it I'm a straight white male in America I've got all the luck I need I've got a pile of broken mirrors And I'm walking under ladders And I'm spilling tons of salt But to me that doesn't matter Cause my skin and my gender and my orientation Are the best things to have if you live in this nation I recommend it highly a penny on the ground I leave it alone and fucking flip it I'm a straight white male in America I've got all the luck I need Shit's gonna work out for me Cause I'm a straight white male in America I've got all the luck I need Okay Alright everybody, welcome to the Intellectual Dollar Tree Welcome live viewers who are hanging out for a while and welcome podcast listeners. We do the show live every Wednesday at 7 p.m. Pacific right here on Twitch. That's twitch.tv slash Echoplex Media. If you joined our Twitch stream, you would see that our chat is throwing tinfoil hats at us. Um, I'm producer Dave. You can find me on Grinder, uh, the co-host with the uh, pink mic. Who are you? What's going on? I am HK Perrin, and you can find me on Mastodon at HK Perrin. No, sorry, at H Perrin at port87.social. Uh, it's the only social network I'm on. I guess I'm also on Discord, but yeah, follow me there. And, and then our, returning- our guest oh, this ahead. week. Uh, hi. Hey, everybody. It's, it's good to see uh, chat again. Uh, I'm Homozygote. Uh, my actual name is Marcus. Use whichever name makes you happy. Uh, you can find me at twitch.tv slash homozygote, uh, spelled like the animal, not like the uh, science term. Uh, thank you for having me back. And I am not looking forward to talking about this specific issue because it's everywhere and I have not stopped talking about it for like the past week and I'm already tired of it. Well, I mean, you know. We'll be able to put technology directly into our brains 
I mean, the, the point that the, the, this is the <laughs> if people don't know, we're doing we're going back to where it started. We're going to do a Sam Harris episode. This is uh, Sam Harris is a. Uh, my take is that he wanted to go with I'm going to believe the scientific consensus. And then he's like, oh, I'm not popular with the with the cool kids anymore. And so now he's he apparently did a lab league episode. And so he's got two people on uh, Marcus. Who are Matt Ridley and Alina Chan before we get started? Oh God, these are these are two like uh, how do I even describe them? I mean, grifters is a very I guess intro level term to describe these two. They're like a, a fine aged grifter aged in a barrel that came from the Wuhan Institute of Virology. Like <laughs> the, the these two have been some of the like OG lab leak pushing hog grifters that uh, have manifested during the pandemic. Uh, Alina Chan is currently a postdoc. She has a PhD and she's currently doing a postdoctoral fellowship at the Broad Institute, uh, which is a big like actual like institute where people do legitimate, credible work. Uh, when COVID hit, she basically decided for one reason or another. I don't know if this was to be like anti-China since I think she's Chinese um, or for some other reason. Uh, she decided to torch her entire career and hop on the right wing grifting train and say, yep, uh, COVID was made in a laboratory. I have a PhD. I am the understander of science. Therefore, it came from a laboratory. Uh, please support me and buy my book. Matt Ridley is the other goon who more or less uh, hopped on board with um with Alina Chan in in this giant grift uh he he is more of a he he's more of a character he i don't even know how to describe him he's like a former mp he's a he's a science writer he's a journalist um so he he came from turf island he came from the uk essentially and he decided to hop on board with Alina Chan when the where did the virus come from discussions first uh, first started manifesting in like 2020 and 2021. Uh, so he, he more or less was the I know how to like market Alina Chan person in this like uh, a god awful duo. And so the two of them like teamed up and took advantage of Alina Chan's credentials, Matt Ridley's uh, journalistic background. And they knew how to you know, create a book and create like a marketing campaign and a media blitz around said book. Interestingly enough, Matt Ridley does also have some intersections with uh, people like Richard Dawkins. So he, he's kind of been hovering around the IDW a bit, but he's never really like made a foray in there. He was smart enough to not do that, but dumb enough to hop on the Labley train. So not, not a particularly redeemable human being. So uh, long story short, uh, these are grifters from like the 2021 era of the pandemic who are selling a book and making the rounds from Tucker to now uh, Sam Harris. Everybody's Zen. Welcome to the Making Sense podcast. This is Sam Harris. Okay. Just a note to say that if you're hearing this, you are not currently on our subscriber feed. And we'll no. only be hearing the first part of this conversation. That's fine with <laughs> me. It's an hour. Yeah, I'm okay with that. <laughs> You'll need to subscribe. Um, I wonder if he's going to cut it off mid-sentence. Oh, again. he does. Remember we did that when he was like arguing with that lady? It was a trope. Like, oh, God, that was the worst. Yeah. When she was like trying to explain to him why he's racist. And he just cut her right off. Said, you got to pay for the rest of this. Actually, you don't. <laughs> RSS yeah. To add to your favorite podcatcher. Along with other subscriber-only content. We don't run ads on the podcast. 
and therefore it's made possible entirely through the support of our subscribers. So if you enjoy and a trust fund, here, please consider becoming. <laughs> yeah, like it's a podcast. It's not super expensive. Well, there's a lot happening with AI these days. The uh, chatbot. I say I'm going to come out as an AI. Powered by. <laughs> I am Harris bot. Called Sydney, apparently. Seems to have gone a it's little. Sam crazy. Harris, but the A in Harris is is AI. A high level oh. computer at Go. But it's still pronounced Sam Harris. Previously considered yeah, or it's the A in Sam and the I in Harris. They're, they're capitalized. Everything else lowercase. Looking a little <laughs> sketchy. I think I'll do another AI focused podcast pretty soon. Seems like Please don't. Talk about. But today we are talking about the origins of the COVID pandemic. Great. After that conversation, I have Matt Ridley and Alina Chan. Matt is a writer. His books have been translated into 31 languages and won many awards. Uh, and is he going to invite anyone on with the opposing view? And the Never. Of, everything. of course not. And his new book, so if that happens, the podcast ends very quickly. Is viral. The search for the origin of COVID nineteen. Matt also sat in the House of Lords between 2013 and 2021, and served on the Science and Technology Select Committee there, and the uh, Artificial Intelligence Select Committee. Clearly, he learned nothing on either of those committees. Chairman, none of that sounds like virology to me, but or infectious disease. Any none of it. And he created the Mind and Matter column for the Wall Street Journal in 2010. And was a columnist there from 2013 to 2018. He is a Still fellow of Society of Literature and of the Academy. Dude, are you reading his CV? Sam, stop. He does this a lot. American Academy of Arts. <laughs> Alina Chan is a scientific advisor and viral vector engineer at the Broad Institute at MIT and Harvard. Yeah, I engineer viral vectors too. That's not exciting. And human Frontier Science Program Fellow with a background in medical genetics. What does a viral vector engineer do? During the pandemic, Dr. Chan uh, makes viruses for laboratory use. So essentially, if you need a virus to uh, you know, infect a, a mouse or to infect a bunch of cells growing in a Petri dish, you can make a laboratory safe virus to do just that. So it's basically okay. moving lots of small volumes of liquid into different tubes. Investigated the problems relevant to finding the origin of the SARS-CoV-2 virus. And in 2022, she joined the Pathogens Project Task Force, which was organized by the Bulletin of Atomic Scientists. And the purpose of this... The Bulletin of Atomic... Like, what the fuck is this? just all sounds like... I, I know these are all real things, but some of this stuff just sounds made up. It sounds like it's from like a... Like the villain in a superhero movie would be from the Bulletin of Atomic Science or whatever. Like... <laughs> uh, it sounds like she does have the credentials to know what she's talking about. Um, so it... It saddens me that, you know, it also sounds like she doesn't know what she's talking about. Well, I, mean, I think like, and this is, uh, this has been like my domain for the past couple of years. Uh, people who have really legitimate and valid credentials like Alina Chan, they know exactly what they're doing. It's clear cut that they have a lot of scientific training and they throw it all away to grift. Like that is a very sad career path to sacrifice all that time to get a PhD, to be a postdoc at a, a big biotech institute, only to be like, actually, yeah, podcasts and books, that that's what I want instead. I'm, I'm not going to, uh, you know, 
I'm going to make claims that my training should have prevented me from making, but I'm ignoring everything that I learned for like the past six years of my life because I want money. That's, that's pretty much how it goes. On high-risk pathogen research and to help prevent future lab-based outbreaks. I call it the right-wing grift shift and... More precisely, the SARS-CoV-2. You know, if, if she's if she's not done with it yet, the then her her grift shift will definitely conclude with a podcast. Media and academic censorship of this. Topic. Well, she is unhirable in academia now since she's done this. Nobody wants her. So it's all she has left. The problems with so-called gain-of-function research, the evidence for the zoonotic origins of SARS-CoV-2, such as it is, the initial complacency and denialism of the Chinese. The biosafety levels at the Wuhan Institute of Virology, the molecular evidence of a lab leak, the practical constraints on synthesizing... You don't have to do a table of contents for your podcast, Sam. Operation, conspiracy <laughs> That's not going to stop him. By the CCP, the EcoHealth Alliance, different kinds of gain-of-function research, virus hunting, risk and reward in the search for knowledge, Anthony Fauci... For virus hunting, you need a really tiny... Anyway, I found it a fascinating and um, also fairly confounding conversation. This is one of those topics where you just can't believe we're in the situation that we're in, given bad incentives and... What kind of scope you got on your gun? Uh, anyway, man, micro great scope. Guys to the topic. So I hope you find this useful. And I bring you Matt Ridley and Alina Chan. My God, the melodramatic music. <laughs> I am here with Matt Ridley and Alina Chan. Matt, These are the two Alina, most boring sons of bitches. Same. So uh, we're going to talk about your I mean, book. it wouldn't really work yeah. if he had some kind of like banging intro, right? <laughs> I mean, it, you're not wrong, but at the same time, like, every, this is such an old played out trope. Like, I don't give me some house music. Give, give me a banger, man. Like I, I, something that's not, you know, 16 minutes documentary. Did it come from a laboratory? You know, it's all boom, boom. It, it, it's all boom, boom, pop, a boom, boom, pop. Boom, I would, boom, rather, pop, I boom, would boom, rather have you beatbox as the intro to Sam Harris bringing on a guest. Unironically. Okay. <laughs> that yeah, was a five minute intro. Yeah. When did you first publish this? Yeah, to read the, their CV oh, and the entire wait, the table intro of contents. Still going. He's, he's still fucking 19. talking about her book. When was the book first published? It came out in the priorities. 2021 mm -hmm. and paperback, which was updated in the spring of 2022. Is that right, Alina, or have I got the name? The, the we already yeah, learned about the book in the intro. June last mm -hmm. year. Okay. So obviously we will incorporate any up-to-the-minute findings or thoughts or misgivings or retractions or epiphanies. Oh, it, sure you will, Sam. And um, Retraction. Epiphanies. They're going to focus more on the epiphanies than the retractions, for sure. Interesting and consequential. <laughs> I, I, I think, let me just put my prior cards on the table. I, I always felt that speculation about the the origins of covid was more or less irrelevant and perhaps counterproductive at the very beginning I and mean, once we knew we had a pandemic on our hands and we knew we had sequenced the genome of the virus it seemed to me that the first order of business for good god time was to sam harris podcast is 15 dollars a month did very quickly and to try to, to hear him filibuster his guests no thanks could, 
in all of our That's collective like efforts as to, much as uh, Netflix not um, have the pandemic be and as Netflix bad gives as you thousands but of hours of shitty content. Great, we'll do a Netflix podcast next week. Speculation <laughs> about this topic that emerged fairly quickly always seemed crazy and uh, disingenuous. It was never racist to worry that this had leaked out of a lab. And it's, you know, obviously quite consequential. It kind of was, though. Like well, it or... isn't necessarily racist. It's just that racists were using it like as as like racist fodder. It doesn't like they don't Sam Sam always. He's like, oh, well, this particular thing, I don't personally find it to be racist. It's well, like the racists really like it, Sam. So does that matter to you at all? Right. It's more that uh, you align yourselves with people who use this for racism purposes. So uh, think about that. If you're lying down with the dogs, are you cool with getting up with fleas? Because that's what's going to happen, homie. Um, for me, it's it's the fact that there wasn't evidence for it coming out of the lab. And yet a lot of people were spreading that. Yes, that's a conspiracy theory. I'm familiar and, with the, the idea. Yeah, like that's a conspiracy theory, but he's saying it wasn't racist to worry about that. And it's like, well, actually, that conspiracy theory is racist. Well, I mean, here's where it gets complicated, because I'm sure these two stooges are going to bring up a very select set of emails from the very beginning of the pandemic between a bunch of virologists and Tony Fauci. A scientist did consider this as a very like early initial theory. Like they looked at the genetic sequence of the thing and were like, you know, I'm kind of concerned about you know this specific area. Like this, this is suspicious for possible bioengineering. But then what they did was sat down and they analyzed it over like a week or two and was like, actually, you know what? Those suspicions were unfounded. Our actual scientific analysis of this shows that that's very likely not the case. So what happened was the scientific method happened. They had an idea. They did some testing to see if their idea was correct or not. And it was wrong. So they changed the take. And because the scientists had the nerve to consider a lab leak as a possibility early on, that made it true as a starting point from there on out for people who can't understand what the scientific method is. So they'll, they'll bring that up. I'm pretty sure they're going to bring that up. Uh, as to how people thought about it coming from a laboratory in the first place. We'll see. At the origins of, of this pandemic, ultimately, because we, we need to figure out how to, not to do this sort of thing again if uh, we are in any way culpable for um, the emergence of this virus. So I mean, that, that's where I, I was, uh, I've always been. It's not that I have, have not been interested. It's just uh, it's, it's only it's something like this moment where I feel like, all right, this is, this is a, a very important project to drill down on this. Obviously, you, you both were um, much more interested earlier because you've written a book on this topic, but I, I'm wondering if my initial disinclination Let them talk. to drill down on the <laughs> origin on. story seems uh, questionable. To you I, like me and hk are perfectly fine to just make fun of the annoying way in which sam harris talks but sam don't you know we have a phd candidate in the field of fucking biology on the show who would like to say something about what your guests are saying can we just move it along a little bit here sam for fuck's sake we went through all the trouble to have marcus on we watched scientology <laughs> tv while we waited for him to get here sam for fuck's sake we could have just watched the first fucking 10 minutes of this instead instead of scientology tv yeah, i wouldn't have missed anything 
like what the fuck man just like that's just rude to your guests regardless of who they are let them talk they're there you you wanted them there they're guests in your digital home let them be i just it seemed politically inflammatory initially and it also seemed like when the the first job is to design vaccines it didn't seem quite relevant to know the origin is there something that that i was missing there Sam, I actually started on the same foot as you. So I was more interested in how the virus was causing disease in people before I read that it was not mutating much. And that's when the alarm went off that this might have come from a lab to me. So I, I was actually more interested in finding a way to treat the disease rather than to find out where it came from. Mm. But to the question of which is Correct more... me if I'm wrong, but both the, the SARS-CoV-2 virus if you wait too long, does mutate a lot. Yeah, I mean, it does mutate a lot. If, you know, there was about a year of time where we didn't have like there. There's a year of time where we didn't have vaccines, so there's no like big time immune pressure that was being exerted on the virus for the virus to like have mutations selected. Really, what we saw over the first year of the pandemic was like a mutation here, a mutation there, uh, that gave the virus some advantages. It made it more fit, made it uh, better able to. Uh, transmit and uh, spread but then once vaccines entered the the ball game then the virus was now locked in this like evolutionary battle between like the immune system and um all of the all of the immunity that vaccines and prior infections had built up so then you started to see the rates of mutations really uh, pick up then you got the variants you know we started to see variants after the vaccine rollout began right there's the the alpha variant, which is, you know, a couple of mutations, but then we got like Delta and then we got Omicron, like the rate of mutations really picked up once we entered the vaccine era. I'm really glad we stopped naming them after cities or whatever. That was, that was bad when we were naming them after cities. Oh yeah. Cause I mean, that goes right back to the whole, uh, <laughs> it's racist to say it came from here. You know, when you name a variant after a city, then you're blaming the people for it. Um, uh, you know, that was that was kind of weird. So I'm glad we got to the Greek letters, but we also have deviated from that separate conversation. And and if I'm not mistaken, it isn't so much that like the vaccines or your immunity causes a, a virus to mutate. It's that a different it's that a mutation is more likely to be what spreads than the like the OG virus. If you have built up immunity through vaccines to the OG virus, is that my close? Right, I mean, it, it, yeah, I mean, it's an, yeah, you're, it's an exercise in natural selection, basically. So without vaccines, your immune system is entirely naive. Like it's never encountered the virus before and the virus isn't having mutations show up that help it evade immunity because there's no prior immunity to evade. But once people are vaccinated or if they had gotten sick with it before, then they likely have uh, antibodies against the virus. So what that does is you get selection for mutations in the virus that allow it to evade those antibodies and those are the viruses that live uh, to see another day and continue to spread and those become variants uh more broadly speaking it's people who are immune compromised who can't get rid of the virus from their body those are the people who are like walking variant factories right they've done some research on some of these people and they're sick for like a year plus and all of the mutations you see in the contemporary variants you see in those people and they're infectious the entire time so it's like those people who can't get rid of the virus from their damn body have an incomplete immune response, just enough of a response to put pressure on the virus to mutate, but not enough to actually get rid of it. So you get that hyperbolic time chamber, so to speak, going on in people without an immune system. 
And that's the leading theory as to how variants show up in the first place. So it's all about that uh, evading the immune system, right? That's that's when mutations really started to pick up. There are a couple of mutations that just occurred naturally by random chance that weren't in that like lens of evading the immune system. Uh, but that was just because those mutations made the virus either more fit, increased the viral load, like it had a tangible benefit for the virus. It will become impossible to find the origin of the outbreak. Right. Yeah. That I, I, Honestly, I had not thought about that part of it, that you, you sort of lose your connection to the, the facts if you're not really um, looking as much as you can look, as early as you can look. Before we jump in, and this is really is a, a fascinating topic, which sheds a lot of light. Before we jump in, it's only been eight and a half minutes. A fair amount of <laughs> dysfunction. We're going to talk about the origins of COVID, but in the background and, and perhaps explicitly, we're also talking about the political corruption of science and a fundamental oh, lack great. of transparency on the My part favorite. of public health officials and you know attended failures of cooperation. Dude, Before he's a stone's throw from Fauci lied, people died. Your your relevant backgrounds here. Let's start with you, Matt. You did that in the intro. Stop. With one another, <laughs> we have not yet met scandalously. I've read several of your books, and I will have introduced you both properly at the beginning here uh, in the intro. But give me your potted <laughs> bio. <laughs> will do. Yeah. Even though you've already been introduced one and a half times. Can you actually, introduce yourself? My bio is that I, I'm an evolutionary biologist by training. I did a DPhil at Oxford in the behavior of birds a very long time ago. I then became a journalist. Not virology. I became a book writer, an author, nonfiction author, and various other things I did. Uh, ended up in the UK Parliament for nine years, in the House of Lords, not in the House of Commons. And the uh, common theme of my career is a fascination with science and with evolutionary biology in particular. So actually coming to this topic, I was especially interested in the story of the bats right from the start, mm. or at least whatever other species it was going to turn out to be. But it very quickly became clear that all these SARS-like viruses are basically found in one genus of bats, the horseshoe bats. And it was writing about that that got me into this topic. I very quickly learned that I could rule out a lab leak as plausible on the basis of arguments that were being put in what seemed to be authoritative scientific papers. I then later came to question that and thought that those papers were premature. And that's how I got more and more intrigued. And it was a lead. They're also like absolutely like straw manning the consensus position. The consensus position, I kept reading it over and over again. It's like the strongest evidence for this is that it, you know, it came from this, this wet market. This is where we think it came from. We cannot rule out other places that this originated they all said that shit yeah leading up to summer of last year that was the scientific consensus is like we're still considering it we're not going to rule it out uh the the data from summer of last year i think actually do pretty concretely rule it out uh because actually any lab leak scenario in spite of those data we can we'll talk about the the, the stuff later but any lab leak scenario from this point onwards is comically absurd to the point of it being like a comedy skit. Like so many ridiculous things would have had to happen with people unknowingly, but also knowingly being sick with uh, a COVID or a progenitor to the virus and then doing what one person wouldn't ever think to do to go to the seafood market and spit on everybody. Like 
What the fuck? None of that makes any sense at all, but we'll, we'll, we'll get there later. Work, really, that tipped me over the edge. Hmm. Alina? So I've been working in labs for about 14 years. I have a background in biochemistry, medical genetics, genetic engineering, and now gene therapy. So I am a scientist at the Broad Institute of MIT and Harvard. And I'd say that the common theme in my research in my in my scientific life is thinking about how to re-engineer human cells uh, for therapeutic purposes and now thinking about how viruses interact with their host with human cells. Mm, wonderful. Well, so you are just the people I want to talk to on this topic. Uh, and as chance, uh, no, they're not. So, I mean, they're the ones he wants to talk to because he wants the controversy. Together and I mean, yes, but also no, because he's going to get flack from this. I'm, I'm sure. Alleging happened or may have happened, and and maybe before we, I mean, we're going to track through this, you know, the the, the various uh, arguments for and against the thesis. But uh, you might just say how your thinking may have evolved in the meantime. I mean, are, have you become more convinced or less convinced of any particular claim? Yeah, shall I I'm going to say more convinced. I, I, I was commissioned by the Wall Street Journal to write an article called The Bats Behind the Pandemic in, I think it was April or May of 2020. And I... Yes, the robust virology the outfit tree, known as the Wall Street Journal. This virus seems to have come from bats and that they had already found a very similar relative, but I didn't know where or when. And the, the more I dug into the topic, the more I began to question the received wisdom at the time, which I had been conveying to other people, that you could rule out a lab origin. And then I came across a, a paper by Alina and two of her colleagues, which said that this virus had experienced no burst of rapid evolutionary change on first entering the human species in 2019, which is surprising because the original SARS had shown that, and most viruses do that. They have to evolve pretty fast to suit the new host. And she also mm, tipped me off. No, that's the, not necessarily true. ruled out that it began in the market. George Gao, the head of the Centers for Disease Control in Beijing, had announced that he thought the market was a super spreader event, not a origin event. They've revised that take. That's when I started getting intrigued. And Alina was the first scientist I talked to who said, look, it's an open question. We don't know if it came out of a lab. We don't know if it came out of a market. I got more and more interested in it. I followed her work and other work more and more closely, dug as deeply as I could. And eventually I said to her, could we collaborate on a book? Because although I know quite a lot about genomics, I've written several books on the topic, I'm basically a, a writer, not a scientist, and I would need to collaborate with somebody who understood the science. We both, I think, thought, and Alina can confirm this, at the start, that it could go either way, that we would probably find out while we were writing the book, what the answer was. I mean, that's how you learn. HK, did you know that that's how you learn about things in science is you like you read a book? You write a book or you read a book? No, 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 no. Don't be silly, HK. You write a book. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, that's what book reviews, right? That's that's what peer review is. Uh huh. Yeah, when, when uh, New York Times calls your book a bestseller, that's peer review, actually. <laughs> We were wrong about that, by the way. We still don't know three years later. But we would probably find out that it was either something to do with that seafood market or something to do with that laboratory in Wuhan. And so Such insight. Roughly equal quantities of text in the book to each 
argument. But I think by the end, we were both leaning towards the lab. And then a couple of other things happened just as we were about to publish a, a document dropped, which we can describe later, which I think tipped us both into the view that the lab was now more likely than the market. What has been your experience touching this topic, uh, you know, trying to publish on it and uh, publishing, in fact, uh, at a certain point? And has, has there has been a, a fraught adventure in publishing? And I, I know you've testified. We're leaning towards believing a global conspiracy Just is, what manner of is a, an interesting stance. Has this been? And um, how has that political environment around this uh, i guess it's not global it's just one government yeah well we've met all sorts of barriers you know this was described as a conspiracy theory that it could have come out of the lab very early on and it was still is well i mean it's literally a conspiracy whether it's true or not it's literally a conspiracy theory right like mk ultra before people found out that it was true was a conspiracy theory because it was that's literally what it was like this is if this would have turned out to be true, it still would have been. It's 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 now. It's just a conspiracy. You just take the word theory off the end, right? Because if if a conspiracy theory becomes true, you have a body of evidence and facts to support that. So now you just say people conspired to do this thing. That's right. Altogether on places like Facebook. Luckily on Twitter, it wasn't. You could still speculate and share information on Twitter. So in the social media space, it wasn't easy. That changed a bit in 2021. The world got a bit more open-minded. In terms of the media, we found certain newspapers and broadcast outlets were very interested in talking about this topic and thought it was an interesting one. Others, Times, CNN and the BBC <laughs> just wouldn't talk about our book at all, for example. Newsmax. Is that still the case? Yes, basically, as far as I know, it is, I think. I think you have been on CNN, Alina, once, but but only a long time ago. So, and I've not been... Well, there was one very, very obscure BBC program had us on before they realized how unfashionable we mm-hmm. were. <laughs> I, I don't think I've been on CNN. I, I think they canceled last minute also. And I, I think I've seen that <laughs> Good. a lot. Uh, a lot of I don't think that it's that they're unfashionable. I think it's that what they're saying is not backed up by evidence. So it, it is the responsible thing for a news outlet to not have them on. Oh, unequivocally, but uh, think of all the missed clicks and ad revenue and attention. That's more important than scientifically correct information these days. And like these seem like the kind of people that know better than to go on like Infowars or Natural News or whatever. Their grift, it seems like their grift kind of relies on the fact that they're not going on uh, outlets like uh, the Stu Peters show or... Or, yeah, and you know, Michaela Peterson's that, podcast. I don't know. Have these people been on fucking Michaela Peterson's show? <laughs> That's where the gray, we start to hit that gray area when we get to Michaela and Jordan. Right. And that's what Matt Ridley contributes to this uh, not so dynamic duo is that knowledge that like you stay out of the, the incredibly fringe spaces and you try and launder those credentials as hard as you can. Like it's. I, it's kind of disgusting. I think at some point, if Alina becomes not so useful for Matt, he'll dump her at a moment's notice and move on to the next. And Alina will be left uh, high and dry, unhirable, untouchable in academia. Like she'll she'll be nothing, and she lacks that media savvy. And you'll start seeing her pop up in those spaces if Matt Ridley ever distances himself from her. Right, because there's no version of why I left the left for the other side. Exactly. 
Exactly. She'll start a podcast, though. <laughs> that is going to be a podcast that I think is going to garner very few listeners. I think there are people in that space that actually do it better than her. I mean, literally, the the, the paid Chinese dissident who is uh, paid by Steve Bannon would do a better job. Like, straight up. she She's more riveting. She gets to the point quicker. Like... It just is if we're putting on if we're getting into content brain for a second, like Li Meng Yan is ten times the content that Alina Chan ever would be. Like, holy shit, she's got Bannon money. Uh, that the production value would be sky high. To be fair, Roger Stone doesn't know how to use Steve Bannon's phone system, and I think that's why Steve Bannon fired him. <laughs> <laughs> Want to interview us on the book? And then a few days right before they would say, oh, we, we can't touch this topic. Our scientific editor is against it, that kind of thing. So there has been, I think, some self-censorship on, this, on, on the part of news reporters on this topic. Yeah. And, and also, it's worth mentioning that you know, we've had a lot of encouragement from scientists privately. Mm-hmm. An awful lot of people are saying to us. Oh, sure you do. Right Everyone is so telling us privately that we're doing great and we're right. They're just not willing to say it publicly. This is an ongoing theme on the intellectual dollar tree. Do you remember when Sa- mm-hmm. Sam Harris was saying that all, all these people, these scientists that you would know were calling him and saying that they totally agree with the bell curve guy, but they just couldn't yep. ever, they just couldn't ever. It's like an ongoing theme. You have to do this. It has to be like, I'm getting a call from uh, from the fucking Xenu that's telling me like, it, it doesn't matter. You just insert anything there. It's like other people agree with me. It's like the, I have a girlfriend in Canada thing. You can't meet her. <laughs> yep. A lot of people tell me that I'm smart. They're just not willing to say that publicly. My girlfriend goes to another school. No, I can't introduce you. Her friends wouldn't her friends wouldn't like my friends. I'm sorry. She's too pretty for all of you. <laughs> my my dad owns Blizzard and he could get you banned from this game. <laughs> it's actually my dad's yeah. friend. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I mean now they can say that cuz they're friends with Elon. My my friend runs Twitter. He'll get you banned now. How's that for censorship? Above the parapet. And when I pressed, for example, the Royal Society in London and also the Academy of Medical Sciences to hold a debate on the origin of a pandemic that's killing north of 10 million people. Science isn't done through debate. These people have podcast brain. (laughs) Yeah, like literally, we don't don't sit around the conference room and be like, all right, let's debate the the mitochondria today. Like, that's not how this shit works. Is it or is it not the powerhouse is true? Right. Like what? There's no insights that we arrive at through pure interlocution between each other. Like we do experiments. We actually have to gather harder data than just our daily opinings after we've, you know, uh, done crack cocaine and showed up on fucking Alex Jones. Like that, none, none of that is how science works, right? We, we actually have data to talk about. We have the, experiments actually, that we run. The show actually isn't about Mike Lindell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, sometimes we might get confused, but you know, <laughs> in reality, we're, we're not actually talking about Mike Pillow. <laughs> and we found something similar in, in the US that you know, the, 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 the question of sort of opening it up to a proper conversation is, is just not acceptable within conventional science. And this, this a proper conversation, a proper conversation is one in which someone takes this guy seriously. That's what he means, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, if you, if you really want the scientific 
community to take you seriously, just have the evidence on your side. Or just yell debate me, bro, at like some <laughs> some lady who works in a chemistry lab somewhere. I don't know. <laughs> well, I mean, that's the like thing it's really is, not hard. Just have evidence that's on your side and the scientific community will agree with you. Well, and like w- there, there is a built in mechanism for that. It's called publication. You can get your evidence together in a nice wrapped up bundle and let other people look at it. And if you have a coherent argument and you didn't like cheat or make anything up, then they'll publish it and everybody can see it and people will see how much of a galaxy brain you are. It, it, that, that there's a mechanism so people can do exactly that and figure out that you're, you're poggers like that. That's just how this works. And if, if something, if there's something missing from what you're doing, they might even tell you, they'd be like, Hey, you might want to look into this real quick just to make sure that everything's, uh, everything's on the up and up here, but that's what they don't want. <laughs> Yeah. Or sometimes, you know, you can cheat and make things up and it'll still get published. Uh, but hopefully that gets found out and you you lose all your credibility. And if you're Andrew Wakefield, you lose your medical license. Oh, definitely. Like peer review is not uh, not without its flaws. But at the very least, if you're not willing to go through the process, that's a massive red flag before you have said anything about your pet theory. If you're not willing to let other people look at it, then you're already yeah that's strike one like you're not here in good faith but it's mine you can't have it <laughs> but that thinks it came oh from god if you look at opinion polling and based on <laughs> anecdotal conversations i have with people an awful lot of people think yeah of course it came out of that lab whereas the science but, like, okay, but who, that's who, not data do any of these people have a name or is it just your girlfriend that i can't meet Yes, the uh, the uh, unfalsifiable, unimpeachable Congress and the House of Lords that we're never going to see, actually, because, you know, it's never in session. But, like, this isn't even, like, it's not even like he's saying, well, most people believe this, therefore it's true. He's saying, most people privately tell me that they believe this. Therefore, it's true. They're just not willing to say it publicly. Well, then maybe they should grow a fucking pair. It's like a. It's like the the argument from uh, argument from populum occulta. No, it's the it's it's the <laughs> it's the argument from unknowable authority. I mean, it's 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 both. It's the the hidden popular belief. Remember like when it, Brett? It, oh, go ahead, go ahead, Marcus. No, no, no. I mean, it, it's just unimaginable to me that like people lack so much critical thinking that it's like, okay, who are the people? Like nobody, nobody asks the questions that you two just asked. Like, who are these people? Can we talk to them? Where are they? Show me the people. And <laughs> I mean, it never happens. Nobody even asked the name of the guy who takes care of Brett's friend's fish tank or whoever it was. Do you remember that anecdote? What the fuck? Did that like what's your friend's name do they have a fish tank business i could probably uh i could probably they, they they oh they don't have a fish tank well they're uh, fucking cleaning a fish tank without a license you sir are now a party to a crime <laughs> going to report you rap scallions out here cleaning fish tanks without the proper regulatory documents like this is like the op this is the most unrigorous shit in the world like if you said hey somebody told me this i'd be like who and i like you <laughs> I'd still be like, well, who? 
Right. Just show me the people. I, I want to talk to them. Like for, for uh, as much as these people scream about nobody's debating me, they have a magical, unreachable crowd of people hyping them up at all times. And we can't debate them. We can't talk to those people. They're not actually here for a debate then if we can't talk to your supporters who are doing it in private. And the other thing is, like, if they had, like, a debate at, like, some kind of uh, academic institution or whatever, if he said, oh, a friend of mine told me this uh, on the, you know, on condition of anonymity and that's how I know this, the people in the audience would laugh at them. Yeah, they. Yeah, that's when the tomatoes start coming out. Like, <laughs> right? You get that shit chucked at you and you get hooked off stage left with a cane. <laughs> Punishment likes to say that the vast majority of scientists think it did. Uh, dear FDA, I'd like you to approve my true. drug. I gave it to a thousand people who all said it worked great. No, you can't see them. <laughs> they live in Canada. You'll never meet them. If they think that, and they <laughs> you have no jurisdiction there. We're wrong on this topic. Then they ought to be all the more willing to come out and debate it and, and knock, knock down the theory that it came out. They of. did that. They and published two papers and dipshits like you ignore it. We, we haven't been able to have a very open, wide-ranging conversation in much of the media about this over the last two or three years. And not for nothing, these people, the, the, they don't want someone to just be like, dude, you're a crank. Because eventually, if they engage in like debates on stages in places, they're going to come across somebody, maybe another layperson. Maybe like a, like a, you know, they'll be like, oh, you know, they'll just come across some other layperson who's been like looking into this and they're like, dude, I think you're a crank. And then they're going to be like, well, what is your blah, blah, blah. And it's like, that's, they don't want that. <laughs> yeah, they, of course they don't want that. They want to say that no one will that. debate them. And then they want to block you on Twitter. Yeah, it's the, the constant posturing is academic heterodoxy. You can't be heterodox if you actually come to some sort of, uh, you know, compromise or polite agreement with the, the system, the institution. If you, if you agree with them, you're now one of them. Right, and that's its own kind of orthodoxy, isn't it? Yeah, the whole, uh, you know, heterodox becomes the orthodox. The you know, thesis, antithesis, synthesis, uh, same shit, different application. Like, that's... You, you can't become part of the system if you want to keep up the grift. It's not very profitable to uh, be a crusty old professor. So I don't think they're going to like, they're not, I think they're just going to, this is just going to be like a, um, like a grievance fest. I don't think we're even going to, and we're only like eight or 17 minutes into this, but I think this is just going to be a grievance fest. I don't think that we're going to get like any sort of, they're not going to, they're not going to like try to make the case that they're pretending that they're trying to make. I don't think. Yeah, I mean, that's Dave, what's did you come to be here for book. evidence? No, I came here for the grievance <laughs> fest. I just yeah. feel like we're, I feel like we're wasting Marcus's time with this. <laughs> hey, no, look, I I've I spent all day on stream yesterday yelling at grievance fests, so I'm I'm also here for the grievance fest. Let fuck it, let <laughs> let's let's roll, let's let's bang, let's do this. Well, good. I I gotta I gotta get up and go to the bathroom, so I'm gonna let this roll, and you guys can talk over it. And over each Oops. other. I'll be right back. Well, one Sounds of the good. things we've seen as well over the last two years is that a lot of emails have been obtained through the Freedom of Information Act, showing that virologists who publicly said, of course, it came from an animal at that market, privately in their emails, they were worrying whether this virus had been engineered in the Wuhan lab. Okay, well, I want us to explore the nature of and that's exactly what you talked about before where yes they worried about it in the very beginning and then ruled it out the origins of the virus right. and to worry that 
it could have leaked out of a lab. I, I mean, that's how predictable these people are. It's a dialogue tree, and you can follow it. More fully. It's, first of all, there's been a rich history of security breaches at labs and leaks of dangerous pathogens, even from labs with you know higher security than the Wuhan Institute of Virology has. Has there been? So we know we're bad at this, the, containing... What lab virus. leaks have there been? There, there was a and Russian lab leak in like the 70s, 80s that caused a flu pandemic. But uh, so we, we what he won't tell you is that security has gotten better since like the 70s and the also, 80s, number one. And number two, there is no BSL level that's higher than what they had at Wuhan because it's BSL-4. That's the highest level possible. Not so widely respected at the moment. I, I, I'm... Well, maybe let's just touch the general question now. So when I walked away, they talked about emails and I, <clears throat> I've come up with this thing called the email fallacy. As soon as like any emails from anything get released, everybody assumes there's something in there. There's some kind of like nefarious activity. The emails could be about nothing. But now like when emails get dumped or emails get like released, people are just like, oh, there's emails. And it's like, oh shit, emails. I mean, that's literally the plot of Pizzagate, right? Yeah, like there were emails about like, hey, I'm going to get some pizza. What do you want? But I think and I was like, oh, can you get pepperoni on mine? And people were saying it was like a child sex trafficking ring. Right, but I think what I'm, I, and I think the same thing probably happened with Fauci's emails when they were when they came out. I think there was little to nothing in there, and people just were like, oh, the emails got released. Have you read them? Would yeah, if you read them, you saw the scientific method. I actually read them. Believe it or not, I actually read the the release from Judicial Watch. It was seventy. Uh, I read uh, it was a it was actually three hundred plus pages of emails. There was very little in there. The only thing that I ever had a grievance about in his emails was the fact that the dude was answering fan mail instead of like talking to other scientists. There was a bunch <laughs> of emails. Dude, people were literally sending Fauci emails like, "Oh my God, you brave medical warrior! I love you. You're my favorite." And he would respond to every one of those, being like, "Oh, thank you so much for your kind words. I'm I'm gonna be able. To, I'm now God's bravest warrior because you sent me this email. Thank you. I appreciate it." Like. He, he has such a massive ego. He responded to every single iota of fan mail. It's like, dog, you got something better to be doing. Can you stop with the fan mail? You can put that in a pile and deal with it when this isn't hitting the fucking fan right now, okay? Or delegate, my God. Be like, oh, thanks yeah. for emailing Dr. Fauci. This is someone from his office, blah, blah, blah. Thanks for the kind words. Boom. Yeah, Cut. or automate control it. Control V. Control V that shit. You know, the same response, everyone. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, the, uh, people aren't going to share uh, their Fauci fan mail with each other. I'm I'm really impressed that you read all that. I don't even read my own emails. Well, we see. I knew from like the Hillary saga that like if Judicial Watch is getting involved, they're going to clip chimp the fuck out of those emails. Like they're gonna they're gonna try and warp and distort everything. So I was like, all right, time to inoculate myself with the inner workings of a 78 year old Italian man's day job. Like, okay, here we go. <laughs> And so I read it, and I was like, okay, this is boring. Scientific community, in particular, the so-coddling of Chinese political sensitivities on this topic. I mean, I get why the Chinese don't want to admit or don't want to understand that they, through negligence, have uh, birthed a global pandemic. If but not they, the negligence you think, Sam. And the other thing is, that's, what if that's like what didn't happen? So what would be the value in understanding it if that's what didn't happen? What do you mean? Yeah, I'd be interested to know, like, what would be the difference in Sam's mind of a world where the lab leak were true and a world where 
right. the market origin were true. Yeah, it wouldn't make a difference to him, and it's not going to make a difference to right-wingers. They're still not going to get vaccines and wear masks, which makes this discussion remarkably unproductive in the broader sense of things. Uh, we can argue it's negligence either way, whether it's a wet market or a lab leak. But why would the Western press and the Western scientific community be so eager to protect their self-concept on this point? They're not. They're manufacturing consent. Sure. Chip in. So uh, I'll say first that when I first started wondering about where this pandemic had come from, Okay, she's going to say they're protecting Fauci's funding stream and funding for big virology. Watch. Not just the US, but many other countries across Asia and, and Europe with labs in China to do quite risky virus work that might have led to this pandemic. So here, it's not just whether uh, Western scientists are afraid of, you know, provoking China. It's really a question of are they also mm. complicit in, in the origin of COVID-19? And over the last few years, we've seen again and again a lot of support within the U.S. for exactly that type of dangerous virus research that's commonly known now as gain-of-function research. So if the pandemic did start from a lab in Wuhan, it is not just a Chinese government issue. It is actually an issue that affects multiple countries, many countries mm. who have all supported and endorsed and engaged in this work. And the U.S. is a big funder of it. So they would have almost equal responsibility, I think, in my eyes. Okay, so it's not just China and, Ch and its political sensitivities. If, in fact, this is the result of laboratory negligence, it, there's a lot of blame to spread around, and, and we'll get there. So to start... What yeah, I mean, the, sorry, the, just to chip in there, Sam, ahead. if I yeah. if I may, just to, just to amplify one of the points. It is the case that, uh, that Western virology feels worried that its entire research program, indeed the whole of biotechnology, might lose its funding, might lose its social license, if a major... <laughs> there you go. <laughs> fucking, my you God, fucking called just, it. <laughs> he was, that's he was how like, predictable these people are. <laughs> he was like, I'm sorry, the conspiracy <laughs> that was just uh, posited was not uh, far-reaching and uh, outrageous enough. So what I have to do is up the ante just a little bit. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Sam. Oh, Sam, who came up through the skeptic community. <laughs> yeah but like the th like going back to what i said like what would be different about the world uh like what would be different about this situation if if they're wrong they're saying like everything matches how i think the world would be behaving if i'm right and it's like okay well how would people be behaving what would it look like if you're wrong and they never think about that. And they never think about like, oh, all of these behaviors that I'm attributing to malice are actually explained by just me being wrong, too. <laughs> mm -hmm. And it's, I mean, you have a, a point. The, the cruelty, the malice is the point. Like, they want to lash out at the scientific community, scientists, virologists, uh, big virology, you know, Fauci for being the one who pushed the button that said give them a gorillion dollars for bioweapons in China. Like they they have these perceived slights that they feel they have been victimized by because you know they had to put on a mask and get a vaccine. It's the that behavior that you're alluding to, HK. Like if the regardless of which one of these is true or not, that doesn't change the fact that you still need to like not get sick with the fucking virus and get a vaccine and put on a mask 
So it's like they they they're more interested in like lashing out and taking revenge rather than praxis, rather than dealing with the problem. They don't want to be inconvenienced by things like that because they feel it's all unnecessary because the, the scientists did it. Blame them. Make them feel an inconvenience instead of me. And not for nothing, and if you if you believe that this thing was like somehow genetically engineered to be more contagious, wouldn't you be a little more anxious for that fucking vaccine? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. <laughs> and maybe a good that's mask how they too? get the microchip in you, Dave. Oh shit! <laughs> that's all right. Somebody burned down the five G tower, so they can't even activate the microchip. I mean, like, really, they don't need a microchip. I carry this thing around with me. Wait, but can everywhere. it can it activate? Can it activate the nanobots inside of you? Probably. Oh, cool. All right. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm sure Bill Gates could yeah. connect with Apple, make that happen. And, you know, I share that concern. Oh, this has Outlook on it. Don't worry. Bill Gates has his fingers in there. Genetic engineering of crops and in medicine as well. And it would be a terrible pity if, as a result of this, the world said, right, we don't want to do, have anything to do with biotechnology ever again. Yeah. It's a disaster. But it's concern trolling. Truth is yep. more important than consequence, and and actually, why would anyone ever say that? Saying no, let's find <laughs> what? out if this did go wrong. What is this strange straw man he's building? Yeah, yeah truth well, is more important than consequence. I don't care if I have to wear a mask or something. I want to know where it came from, and that's more important. He literally just said the opposite of what we just said was more important. <laughs> I think one could well wonder whether we want to have anything to do with gain of function research, which we'll talk about. I mean, this is, this is something that I've. Touched on uh, he's he's saying, before, I would rather everyone die to prove me right, on this literally, than admit that I'm wrong. So Sam just there was like, well, we should, maybe we should, we're going to go back here, actually, if that's okay. Yeah, well, yeah. I, I think one could well wonder whether we want to have anything to do with gain-of-function research, which we'll talk about. I mean, this is, this is something that I've touched on this podcast once before. My friend Rob Reed did a, a, a special episode on, on this research. So that part is especially worth worrying about, in my view, but we'll get there. So let's take it from the top here. What What is the best argument for the natural origins of this virus? I mean, if memory serves, at the beginning, and perhaps this is still the case, there was evidence that it started spreading from the wet market, whatever its or, you know, initial origins might have been you you just referred to it as possibly a super spreader event so there was a a pattern of spread with the wet market at as its epicenter and i, th- I forget what it was it was something like 27 first cases that were detected there that's not a super spreader event but whatever 27 seems like a low number for a, a market right right pandemic well maybe i can I, chip in on i can i'm gonna spoil actually do you want me to spoil what they're gonna say because i can yeah go ahead yeah uh, this is like okay, me so what, watching a fucking chemtrails video. I'm like, oh, are they going to say this? Like, we have whole bingo <laughs> cards based on the idea that we already know what um, what the motherfuckers we talk about on here are going to say. Dude, honestly, I probably should have made one before this. We all could have played along. Fuck. That's actually a really good idea. Now I'm kind of regretting that I didn't do that. We have an um, IDW bingo card that people can play. We've already got like a bunch of the IDW things. If you go exclamation point IDW in the chat, you can get a bingo card for the IDW. And we've already probably hit some of them. It's like, I'm the aggrieved scientist, you know, all those kind of themes. Yeah. But what's he going to say? The, the, 
Yeah, they're Matt and Alina are going to basically say uh, the the Chinese authorities with respect to the cases in the market uh, did sampling bias and they didn't look for cases literally everywhere, which is not true because the only documented cases that were ever happening in the early time frame of the pandemic were in Wuhan and had ties to the market. The longer things went on, uh, you got more cases that were not directly linked to the market, but very close in geographical space to the market. It radiates outward from the market like a bullseye. But what these two are going to say is that, you know, they did sampling bias and they didn't test literally everybody everywhere once they found one case. So they can't know for sure that the market was the the uh, the original source. And it was just a super spreader, which you already addressed that last part, Dave. You know, 27 people is not a super spreader. They actually did the uh, the legwork. The Huanan seafood market has the least amount of social media check-ins in any other place in Wuhan. Like they actually went like any, on I mean, Chinese not social of any media. Other, but you mean like of any market, like similar square footage size or whatever? I mean, market, mall, <clears throat> gathering, stadium, like oh, public a, gathering <clears throat> space, people, place where somebody could check in on Instagram or Twitter. Right. The Huanan seafood market is not trafficked highly at all. Right. It's not. It's certainly not. Yeah, I was reading that. It's not it certainly was not the most crowded market by it might have been like the least crowded market. Yeah, exactly. There are other markets elsewhere in China that are much more crowded than this one. But even in like Wuhan, there's way bigger public spaces where there are way more people than this. Well, that I guess that's you take the small victory there where you can get it right because like if it would have been in a much more crowded place, things might have uh, things might have unraveled more quickly. Exactly. In the case of SARS in two thousand and three, there was a very clear link to markets, food handlers, and that kind of thing. So when this one cropped up, and it's a very very similar virus, it's very closely related to SARS, and it was first noticed in and around a food market, it seemed to be very much the same story. And that remains a possibility. There were mammals on sale in that market, not nearly as many as you would find in southern China. This is an area of China where you don't have the the same habit of buying live animals in markets to the same degree. But there were mammals on sale in that market. And People did seem to get infected in that market. And the geographical proximity of the outbreak to a major food market does look a bit like SARS in 2003. The problem was they never found an infected animal, whereas they easily found them in the case of SARS. Because the Chinese authorities pulled them from the market, so people didn't get sick. In the market, it was on things like doorknobs countertops and in the sewage <clears throat> right you know what yeah. it's it's easy it's pretty easy to conflate things that might be done in the immediate in the immediate like clamoring about the virus it might be easy to conflate that with a cover-up right i mean it's one thing like what i tell people the chinese authorities should have done is they should have taken the animals out of the market like they did but like keep them so the global scientific community could go test them or so that the Chinese CDC could test them to figure that out. Like, take the animals away so people don't get sick, and then hook your science homies up with the you know the personal protective equipment. Have them swab the animals, collect samples from the animals, at least have them without the animals being in the market. Like that's all they had to do. I don't think if they did that latter part, they that's the stuff they're not sharing. But at the very least, if we're talking public health, you're they had SARS in 2003. They know better than to let those animals stay in the market because they don't know how many are sick. And how long people have been getting sick from the animals. So they're going to say, just pull them, just yank those things out. Yeah. Like I said, but, you know, a 
a thing that you would do to save lives is could be easily just be fucking spun as a cover up. Well, where are the animals, right? Oh, they were they had well, they killed them because they were they fucking got rid of them because they were giving everybody this fucking new disease. Oh, they're covering it up. It's like, well, I mean, you got to do it. I don't know. I don't know. I don't, I'm not going to second guess everybody's decision in a in a crisis because that's what they, they were looking at it like a crisis. So, yeah, I mean, life is more valuable than uh, a peat and tree at that point in time. Like you, you want to keep people alive, and if weird respiratory illnesses like the one you had 17 plus years ago start scropping up, you're going to be more concerned about your people rather than the fucking raccoon dog in a cage. It's so crazy. The human version of the virus being spread around by people. So, yeah, it's it remains a possibility that this was very much like SARS. It started in that market and that somebody was selling bamboo rats, which had been kept in a cave where bats had been defecating on them or something like that. And Yes, you know, we would, uh, we would expect something like that to happen every now and then because we know that these viruses are circulating in wild bats and people are coming into contact with them in the wild. It actually happens and way more frequently, 70,000 times a year. Possible progenitor mm. virus found in any animal in the market? Yes. They weren't tested. Right, I think that there are many lessons to be learned from how this pandemic was was traced in terms of how the local investigators in Wuhan tried to find the source of the virus. So what had happened was there were there were hospitals in Wuhan in the middle of Wuhan and they were seeing cases of unexplained pneumonia. So they didn't know what was infecting these people. And then doctors started realizing that they were seeing some cases from this market, from the seafood market that sold some number of live animals. So they called in investigators and then those investigators thought maybe it's SARS-1 happening again. And at that time, they were not, you know, so sure about human-to-human -human transmission yet. So what they did was they looked at the animals in, in the market or supply chain. They went straight to the market and they wrote all this down in their notes, in their publications in early 2020. They said, we are just going to look at the market. We're going to look at the hospitals near the market. There it is. We're going to look in the neighborhood of the market. So they completely focused their search on people with either links to the market or if they had no links to them. How dare you focus your search for information about this <clears throat> virus in the place where this virus is? <laughs> Heresy! How dare you? Like, <laughs> yep, you called it again. Yep, you, 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 but that's just, that's like me knowing what Madison Star Moon's going to say, right? It's like sort of the same right. thing. Me yeah, being I mean, it's, it's not an achievement. It's uh, not an achievement. I will admit that much. Us being able to predict what some of the people at the Shasta County Board of Supervisors who we've seen 50 times <laughs> walk up there. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's just, it's just you know, you, you get to the bottom of a certain rabbit hole and you just know everything about it. And it's, you know, like, I guess, useful in a very narrow way. The market, they had to live near the market. Mm -hmm. So what this did was it led to this uh, looking under the you know, bright light, but not looking around in the dark kind of uh, analogy what? where they, they ended up confining their search prematurely to one hypothesis such that if there had been earlier cases uh, not linked to the market or living far away from the market, they would have been missed completely. So right. in this sense, this led to this great unknown. I don't think that's true because those people would have gone case? to the hospital, right? They would have noticed they would have found some of them. <laughs> Yeah, that's a, it's a very unhinged assumption that like you have a bunch of uh, COVID sick people who don't know they have COVID and will refuse medical care. That's free and ubiquitous, actually. 
especially considering Chinese people are known in China to go to the hospital for literally fucking everything to the point where the government, when they released the uh, zero COVID controls, the government of China had to be like, Hey guys, can you please not go to the hospital? If you only have chest a fever, we know you want to, but please, for the love of God, don't, if you have chest a sniffle, stay home. If you can't breathe, then we'll talk like they will go to the hospital at the drop of a fucking hat if they feel like they need to. So they probably would have seen some of these earlier cases if yeah, they some, were somewhere. far beyond the market. Cases in the market, are there cases in November, for example, that we don't know about? And if the Chinese government knows, they have not told us. They have not shared that information mm -hmm. with us. Just to restate that so people don't miss it. So what you're describing is a kind of selection bias. If you look for cases associated with the market, if you find anything, you're only going to find cases associated with the market. And then if you populate a map with those red dots, well, then you're going to have created a map that looks like the market was the epicenter of everything you found. But that could, in fact, be an artifact of just how you went looking for data. And obviously, it doesn't differentiate. Yeah, somebody in chat is saying, like, no matter how they would have investigated this, you'd have had conspiracy theorists, like, suggesting they were investigating it wrong. All you got to do is find, I mean, all they got to do is find a couple things that they believe to be anomalous or that they can conv convince other people are anomalous. And boom, you're, you got your, you got your, uh, you got your manufactured doubt. Yeah. It's the, the leveraging of scientific uncertainty. That's the name of the game when it comes to scientific issues. If scientists can't prove anything 100%, which is like most of the time because that's not how philosophy works, then it, there's always room for doubt. It's that dumb Jim Carrey meme that says, uh, what? So there's a chance with him <laughs> smiling from ear to ear. Like, that's what conspiracy theorists are doing right now. This is great. We're never going to get through this in the uh, hour and a half that we have allotted for the pod. But look, from the market, something to, something to maybe uh, look forward to uh, on the post game. Yeah. yeah, you're exactly right. And, and just to reiterate, at the time, people were not allowed to acknowledge that the virus was spreading from human to human. Mm -hmm. Wait, what? Uh, they were not allowed to acknowledge that? What does that mean? Doctors they're cla they're claiming Chinese censorship. Because <laughs> they, they were told that this virus is not spreading human to human. So to wear a mask would acknowledge that it, they could catch it from their patients. So in that sense, what? investigators... Don't doctors wear masks a lot anyway? For people uh, who sorry, just I, maybe I just watch too much TV and don't spend enough time being treated by a doctor. I don't know. Had, eaten at a restaurant where there was a live animal. I mean, they do, but it was more that like well, the, the doctors were being silenced to some degree. Like there, there was kind of a little whistleblower action going on there in the very beginning. Maneuver to want to put the bravest face possible on the top of this pandemic. But obviously the, the Chinese have changed their behavior rather markedly since they've gone so far as to, I believe, weld people into their apartments and, and their zero COVID policy to the eyes of the rest of the world, uh, has looked uh, for now uh, several years fairly berserk. So what are you actually saying about the political, social, cultural attitude of the Chinese in the first months of the pandemic? I think was this matter flipped. It went from extraordinary complacency and false reassurance the period up till roughly the middle of January 2020, when they were insisting there was no human-to-human -human transmission, mm. telling the World Health Organization to spread that message, and also saying they had it under control and that they hadn't had any deaths for... Yeah, that's days. what they were going to say. That's what America would say, too, until like... In January like the 2020, <laughs> when 
probably local officials were desperate not to get into trouble with more powerful central bureaucrats and were giving out false reassurance about what was happening. Don't worry, we've closed the market. Um, there's no human transmission. Mm. The cases that are in hospitals will either recover or die, and then it'll peter out. And then, See, the this is time, the only part that I would agree with them is a plausible conspiracy theory. Sure. Because we do have evidence that this happened, but none of that is evidence of a lab leak. It's evidence right. of people trying to cover up, you know, n not even like them knowingly trying to cover it up, just people trying to like downplay something in the hopes that what they're saying was true. And it turned out it was not right in the hopes that it just goes away, which was, I guess, yeah. probably pretty fucking crazy thing to believe was likely <laughs> based on what was going on. But fuck, I don't know. Right. I mean, that's the that's the Hamlin's razor, right? Like they're attributing it to malice when in reality, it's probably just either some degree of incompetence or forced compliance with the uh, higher authorities if we're talking about, you know, local administrators. But regardless, like that, they're just telling people nothing to be worried about. So, yeah, if things change, then, oh, shit, that's because there's new information or new directives like that's how reasonable people work when new information is now present. They change their take. Like, I, I, this is like a non-issue. Coming into the hospitals. And also, if the government knew that people this virus was something that would spreading like spread around the world, you know, if they if they had been working on it and manufacturing it in a lab to make it virulent and and uh, very contagious, then. I believe that their response would have been different. Their response would have been immediately like, oh yeah, this is bad. You guys should prepare rather than saying, don't worry, we got it. It's nothing. Okay, actually it is they bad. It's killing people. And so they then reacted with very, very draconian lockdowns, as you say, that sort of worked to start with, with the sort of brother. They worked completely. This version of COVID that was then spreading like motherfuckers in wuhan were riding roller coasters while everybody here was dying but it worked you know wuhan did manage to stamp it out but with extraordinary but still after you died here you could be put on a roller coaster <laughs> still had that freedom and then yeah, you'd be free to get your jalapeno poppers to take on the roller coaster with you even that became untenable they could and then you're free to throw them up all over the people below you and get them sick too very rapidly and they simply took the lid off. So there's been two changes in China, both of which have probably gone too far in the wrong direction. Yeah, I just, I, you know, this is the first time I've thought about this, but it, it just suggests to me that, I mean, given the, the alacrity with which they started locking down in earnest, it suggests to me that those first months of denialism had to have been based on a sincere belief that there was no human-to-human -human transmission, or, or at least it wasn't going to get out of hand because the moment th that seemed to be the yeah. case, then they went wishful, fairly wishful crazy thinking. in the other direction. Well, I had to jump in here yeah. because yes, and in the first that's people, evidence that it's not from a lab. It's not designed to do the thing they didn't expect it to do. 
Yeah, I mean, look, if we're talking about bioweapons, there are so many better germs and things that you could use as a bioweapon that would be much better at infecting people than COVID. Like, if, if COVID was actually a bioweapon, it fucking sucks, and whoever made it should be fired. <laughs> like, straight up. You're exactly right. It would have been magnitudes worse if they were actually doing bioweapons testing and it got out. Fairly crazy in the other direction. Well, I had to jump in here yeah. because... Actually, in the first week of January 2020, the sequence of the virus was being auctioned off to people who make diagnostics and to people who make vaccines. And we know that by, I think, January 4th, the vaccine production for this virus had jumped into high gear by one of these companies in China. So I think the people there were kind of operating on two truths at the same time. On, on the one hand, they had to accept what they were being told, that the virus was not spreading human to human. But on the other hand, they also had to... <laughs> manufactured you know, like wartime level amounts of vaccine for the virus what is a wartime level amount of vaccine i mean she's probably saying like tens of millions just to try and get people vaccinated as soon as possible but like considering the the clip at which like modern technology has made that process go that fast people like alina should know that's not a bad thing like the fact that the vaccine production started so quickly because they could sequence the virus's genetic code that quickly. And it's not the first time we've seen a virus like this. And there's already a giant body of research because of the last time we saw a virus like this. Like that That's a good thing. The fact that she's saying that's a bad thing because there's some sort of conspiracy behind it means that she knows exactly what she's doing. And this is all her academic heterodoxy positioning that it's, you know, big corporations did a pandemic to make vaccine money. I don't think there was a unified... Also, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think I do remember that the Chinese government in those early months didn't say there is no human-to-human -human transmission. They said we have no evidence of human-to-human -human transmission. Yeah, and those are two very different statements because, you know, the, as the old adage says, uh, absence of evidence does not mean evidence of absence, right? It could very well change. So I think they probably... If they had evidence of human-to-human -human transmission and they were reluctant to share it, that that's a possibility, sure. Uh, if they were just trying to do, go the whole wishful thinking route and hoping that it would go away or not be that bad. But there may have come a point where they realized, well, we can't do anything about this now, so now we have to talk about it. Now we have to show people what we have. Or the other alternative is that they didn't have that full understanding until it already got out of control and enough people got sick for them to arrive at that understanding, and then they told everybody. So, so that's a point that's not worth debating. Consensus, of course, across this entire huge country. But there were separate groups of people acting on, on different, almost acting as if they had to accept both truths. The, the, the truth that wasn't spreading to human to human, but also they had to prepare for a pandemic. Mm. Yeah, well, the, the timeline of Chinese vaccine development, I know, is peculiar, given what they claim to have known or not known, and I think it relates to this, the origin thesis. Maybe we should jump there now. What are the various anomalies that suggest a non-natural, that is non-zoonotic, non-wet market <sighs> origin for the virus? And I, I, you know, I know these anomalies exist at various levels. There are, there are molecular anomalies with respect to the virus itself, and then there are things like the timeline of Chinese response and, and vaccine development. Uh, and then this is probably the best place to talk about the various grant proposals that implicate Western involvement, EcoHealth Alliance, etc. But I don't know who wants to 
take this first, but walk me through the evidence for, for non-natural origin. Well, so we're going to say fear and cleavage site, uh, EcoHealth Alliance, sampled bats, uh, inappropriate biosafety. Those are going to be the three high notes that they're going to hit. They're going to start doing molecular debate perversion about a feature of the virus's genetic code that has actually evolved very naturally and quite poorly uh, in the current pandemic coronavirus. Uh, let me just, I'll, I'll get after every one of these as they come up. Let me just start with the fear and cleavage sites, and that's where they're going first. Uh, it, it's a stretch of 12 letters in the virus's genetic code. It's a feature that makes the virus more able to get inside of cells. It makes it more infectious. Uh, the original claim, and this is what scientists like Fauci and others said was kind of odd about the virus. They saw this little tiny sequence in the genetic code and was like, wow, that's a little suspicious. Why would that be there? The reason why they thought that was suspicious is because there wasn't really at the time a very broad understanding of how this specific feature evolves in all sorts of other viruses, including coronaviruses. When people actually looked into it long after the pandemic started, surprise, it's actually somewhat common in coronaviruses. So the thing they're about to say, like, oh, scientists had to have put that there. No, it has a very sloppy hallmark of evolution. If a scientist put it in there, they actually technically put it in backwards, so they fucked up on that. And then on top of that, the virus mutated around this feature when we got variants, implying the original version was not the most ideal version. So those three points is just going to blow that original molecular bullshit straight out of the water. Everything else at that point is just a big virology conspiracy theory. That, that's what they're going to say. Through the evidence for, for non-natural origin. Well, I think I could talk about this for hours. Mm. <laughs> so there's quite a bit of evidence pointing to it's a lab origin. Although there's no key, direct or definitive evidence for either natural or lab origin. So I'll, I'll try and be brief. So I think that the main key points for a lab origin is one, the location. So Wuhan is a place where even the top SARS virus researchers didn't believe that a outbreak would occur. So when the Wuhan Institute of Virology scientists who, who have spent like the last decade collecting these viruses, first heard of this outbreak in her city, she said, could it have come from my lab? Because we never believed that, you know, a SARS-like virus would... Oh, she's going here vaccine. first. They, in fact, used their own city as a negative control. Um, so a well, they zero <laughs> there have been other viruses in the same area that have broken out naturally. So, like, I, mean, I don't believe her that anyone ever said that. Well, so she's talking about one of the, like, the chief scientists doing the work at the Wuhan Institute of Virology, Shi uh, Sheng Li. When COVID first hit, like, she thought, like, oh, shit, did we do it? Is she, like, the scientist at the Wuhan Institute of Virology herself was like, oh, God, did we accidentally leak this? They tested slash sequenced every single virus stock they ever had, and it didn't match COVID. It, everything they had was way too evolutionarily distant from COVID. So they didn't have COVID or the progenitor to COVID in their freezers in the laboratory. Did they check Alina's building just, seven? No, they didn't check building seven. You know, there's Alina's a seventh building there in the Wuhan lab that nobody, it's underground. Yeah, it's the secret basement where they're hiding uh, all of the, the babies that Hillary yeah, the, the, abducted. It's like, it's like what they got going on under the Getty. They do viruses. They, they, they do like, um, they do viruses. What else do they do? They do... Um, they do they here here here. They, they do hunger like games that. down they, they do hunger games down there. They do adoption and they eat people. But they also sequence uh viruses. Yeah, that's that's where they store all of their bioweapons. 
Um, Zero people. Yeah, this is this is just dumb. You, you can keep playing it. Posted this type of bad coronavirus, and yet this was the location of arguably the the largest collection and uh, manipulation center of of SARS-like viruses from that region, resembling this pandemic virus. So we've got the location. Let me just mm. make sure I understand what you're saying there. So you're so you're saying that Wuhan is not a place where you would expect a natural ambient level of SARS viruses because the horseshoe bats don't live locally? Is that what you're saying? No. Uh, so the horseshoe bats do live there, but to find <laughs> SARS virus, these scientists had to make trips every year far down south. So they had to travel thousands of kilometers down south to, to South China, to Yunnan. They even went across borders to Southeast Asia down south. So mm. they were collecting across eight. Oh no, we can't make a giant laboratory in the middle of a jungle. Oh fuck. Countries in that belt where they predicted there was the highest prevalence of these type of viruses. So that type of bat, the horseshoe bats do live broadly across China. But to find those viruses, you have to go very far down south. Mm -hmm. And so... Even it is nice, though, that they so built the laboratory really far away from the thing 20. that they were studying. Well, I mean, the, the lab still has to be in decent proximity so they can actually like make the trip. Like They have to commute down to you know, random caves to swab the buttholes of a bat to get viruses from it. Like it, it, They're yeah, straight up playing butthole said, surfers. She said, like, yeah, the bats live there. So it's like, okay... <laughs> Then yeah, so why are we talking about happen this? there? It's like actually yeah. they have like they you know how like a book there's a cat like at a bookstore you know but there's all these bookstores have a cat they just keep a couple bats at this uh it's like their pet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you walk into the Wuhan Institute of Virology and you're you're there uh, petting Bat the Batty who's there at the reception desk to That's check right. you in. <laughs> very 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 nice bat. Very nice bat. Yeah. This is a good bat. Th this bat gets all the pets. <laughs> this bat is voiced by Robin Williams. <laughs> the U.S. government to that. The other one's voiced by Tom Hanks. Places, they, they recently published a map of the risk of being exposed to these viruses, and Wuhan is nowhere near the hot zone. Because right. Wuhan's okay. not a jungle. Right. It's a city. <laughs> it's also like... It's also like... There's like... Places where like earthquakes are really common, but then sometimes a big earthquake happens in places where earthquakes are less common. Do you know what I'm saying? It's like, it doesn't mean that there's no viruses ever coming from like this area. It just means that it's not a hot spot. Like, I mean, she, she's acting like the viruses respect city boundaries. Like, oh shit, we're coming up on a formal border. I guess I'll turn around and go right back into the bat now. Like, yeah. <laughs> no. You know, I, I would say if the break, if the, Breakout had started in like Antarctica. I think she would have a point. Right. Maybe. Maybe. But it didn't. It started in Wuhan, China, which is exactly where you would expect a SARS out a SARS like virus outbreak to start. Well, not I mean it's 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 a place where you might expect something like that, yes. Yeah. Oh, I can I can actually find you a map. Um, there there's a map I have somewhere. It might take me a second to dig it up, but uh, there's a map of where like these bats, these horseshoe bats, like the species distribution, not only in China and in Southeast Asia. It is massive. It is a big boy map. It, it they're everywhere. Like they are just straight up fucking everywhere. The entire Indo Chinese Peninsula is filled with these things. Um, yeah, you can keep playing it. I'll well, DM it to you. 
Well, actually, uh, this, we're up, we're up, we're up against it here. It's an hour and a half. It's too long. Oh shit! We're, we're not. We do not do three hour podcasts. If people, somebody on Spotify, if you if you listen to it all the way through this, I'm sorry. Uh, this has been the Intellectual Dollar Tree, and I think HK is going to read us out. All right, uh, we do this show every Wednesday at 7 p.m. Pacific time, live on Twitch.tv slash Echoplex Media. So if you're listening on the podcast, come check us out. And then after the song we play at the end, you get to stick around and see us pal around for Red Light. Uh, if you want to support us, you can support us on either Twitch or you can support us at Patreon.com slash Echoplex. If you want to check out our other stuff, check out EchoplexMedia.com. Uh, that's where you can find all of our other podcasts and shows. Uh, and, uh, if you're here live, stick around after the song for, uh, red light. This is, uh, boomers by Periscope.
If you like what we're doing at Echoplex and aren't into Twitch, please join our Patreon at patreon.com slash Echoplex. For $5, you can get every show from beginning to end sent to you as an MP3. Even the stuff we bleep out because it's too spicy for Twitch. Echoplex would not be where we are today if it wasn't for the community support we receive. Find out all the ways you can support the show at echoplexmedia.com slash support.